Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you all okay? Um, Yes, I think I am okay. Uh, Recording this podcast has not quite worked as efficiently as I would like it to. So if I sound a touch um, (laughs) mad, then that's the situation. This is the fourth time of trying to record this, but I will make it through. I've already put a book in the washing machine today. Uh, so, yes, wh- where do we go from there? Um, I have, however, had a brilliant idea for a business. Um, and I don't know why this hasn't been done already, but I was bending down today in the shower. Sorry, too much information uh, to get the shampoo and the conditioner. And I can never work out which is the shampoo and which is the conditioner while I've got, you know, soap in my eyes and trying to wash my hair. Why don't they put like salt and pepper? Why do they put a big S and a big C on the top of these things? Because it's only when I lift them up and look, I can see it, whether it's the shampoo or the conditioner. So often I'll put the conditioner on first and not the shampoo. I know I'm going on about this, but I just feel like I need to call up Alan Sugar and go on The Apprentice and say, here we are. Here is my idea. Um, have I? Has this already been done and I didn't know it? Am I being completely ridiculous or is this an idea, do we think? Do let me know. Oh, and I need to say, hang on, let me find it. I need to say a huge, huge thank you to someone going by the name of DC Author. DC Author has left the loveliest, loveliest book review or review on Apple iTunes um, and they've entitled it Lovely Book Podcast. So thank you so much. Not only does it mean the world to me to get these reviews, it really does. Uh, It also raises the profile of the podcast so that other people get to hear about it. Um, So thank you, DC author. That made me smile a lot. What books am I going to review for you today, I hear you say? Well, let me tell you. We've got The Ex-Husband by Karen Hamilton. And we've actually got Karen coming in to... We've got Karen coming in. Philippa, she's not coming in, but I am going to be interviewing Karen by the power of Zoom a bit later on. Do you think I'm actually going to get through this podcast today? Let's hope so. 
So we've got The Ex-Husband by Karen Hamilton, uh, The Apollo Murders by Chris Hadfield. There's a giveaway for that. So listen on and you'll find out more about that. Uh, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Catherine Ryan Howard, uh, her new book called 56 Days and The Genesis Inquiry by Ollie Jarvis. So let's get straight into The Ex-Husband. Here we go. Here's the blurb. Charlotte and Sam were partners in life and in crime. They never stole from anyone who couldn't afford it. Wealthy clients, luxury cruise ships. It was easy money and harmless. At least that's what Charlotte told herself until the world caved in on her. But now, years after she tried to put that past life behind her, it comes rushing back when her estranged ex-husband Sam suddenly goes missing and someone threatens to expose what they did. Desperate to escape whoever is tormenting her, Charlotte takes a job as an events planner for an engagement party on board a super yacht in the Caribbean. For a while, her plan seems to have worked. Nothing but open ocean and clear skies ahead. Until it becomes clear that she's no longer a thousand miles away from harm because whoever is behind it all is on board too. And now there's nowhere left to run. And the first sentence. Uh, This is chapter one um, and it's in the past. It's then, 18 months ago, Barbados. A tip off. Oh gosh, that's a very short sentence, isn't it? Uh, Okay, let's do two sentences. A tip off. That could be the only explanation. I see. I want to read you more, but I'm not going to. I have to try and be fair to everyone. So, yes, there we go. Now, when I first heard about this book, I thought, oh, it's a, it's a thriller. And it's set on board a super yacht in the Caribbean. I'm in. It sounded like the perfect escape. And yes, I was totally in. And something I want to talk to Karen about is uh, the series Below Deck. I don't know if you've ever experienced the TV series. I was introduced to it by some of some of the crime writers and it is compelling. I have to say it really is. But um, anyway, enough of my waffle. Let's talk to Karen now. So, Karen Hamilton, author of The Ex-Husband, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Well, I wanted to talk to you about this really interesting book. I love the concept of it. What what gave you the idea for it? Um, There's always several little sparks, and I never really know quite exactly what it is. But one thing was that um, my husband used to work away a lot on board ships and um oh. once when he was working one of the people that used to go in and do their rooms was amazing at towel art and he used to whatsapp me these pictures of this towel art every like random just a random thing and then I don't know if it's a bit weird about how my mind works but I started to think like what if he went to his room one night and it wasn't like a like a swan or a I don't know something nice it was something creepy and that kind of sort of sparked the idea well what sort of person would be on board a ship and would go and find some sort of creepy towel art rather than something nice and comforting that we all associate with hotels and traveling and and it yeah so that was one of the ideas where it kind of it grew from there and I also think because this was my lockdown book I think a lot of it the escapism is just pure pure fantasy and wanting wanting like as we all do just to just to get away and you know, experience some sort of the holidays that we we haven't had. Yes, quite. And having endured many a series of below deck 
through lockdown myself. I don't know if you've ever watched this program. Yes, I did. I yeah. did watch it. Yes. <laughs> I, I loved it. It was so addictive. Yeah, absolutely. But the minute I heard about your book, I was like, oh my goodness, this is just more below deck, joy- joyful. Um, you've got the different times as well, the present day and, and the past. How did you manage those? Because it reads so easily, but for it, it was it hard to write? I had written a few drafts first um, where it was all it's like my other two books where it's all first person and it's it goes, you know, from beginning to end. And um, there was something that wasn't quite working. So when I was going through the editing process, it seemed like it would work better by splitting the then and now. Mm. So once I decided to do that, it was okay because I I had all I had it all written. I just had to reorder it and, and kind of reweave it. But I think if I'd started out that way, it may have been harder. So mm. I think because I had all the material there, I'd had these several drafts that it kind of, I mean, I'm not saying it was easy, but but and, and also I quite enjoyed it because it was a way I hadn't worked before. Mm. I've always done these these first person, not very nice people. And it's it's quite intense. And um, so in a way, it was nice to write in a in a different way to how I've done before. And um, and for my next book, I'm doing t- a two two narratives actually for the first time. Oh. So I, I think it's nice to try and uh, I don't know, try and push myself, stretch myself, do things I haven't done before. Um, because you know, these characters are so intense. It's nice to find ways to make it. I, I guess maybe break it up a bit, even mm-hmm. though it's still in their voice. And 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 I, I find it interesting why people who commit crime or, or do, you know, what we say, bad things, mm-hmm. um, how it all begins. You know, at what point does that person cross yeah. that line? And I really enjoyed with this book exploring that. So and it was nice to go back and show how at any point um, Charlotte could have said no and taken a different path yet she she chose not to and she's very sort of self-aware in as much as she she knows that it was kind of like in her yes that's very interesting of when that path first started to diverge from from yes. the right to the wrong and you're you're right it's not just uh suddenly you're, you're faced with that it's a a series of events yes that, that's really interesting and I'm fascinated by the fact that you write the book and then in the edits you change it, it to the the past and and the present because certainly before I started doing this podcast I thought you write a book and okay you might change a few full stops in editing but that's it but it, it must be so time consuming as an author to go through such big changes as you're editing. It is but I actually that the whole the best process for me in writing is editing I actually struggle to get the first draft down I find it really hard because I've got nothing to work with and um you know apart from all these ideas that I have to somehow pin down and 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 it's only after the first draft once I start editing that it kind of comes more alive for me and it's the bit that I enjoy I mean I could quite happily just edit all the time um, wow. I'm, sure, I'm sure my editors are getting yeah. fed up with me at some point yeah. like, come on now Karen yeah. <laughs> we know, need so a book sure, yeah <laughs> come on <laughs> you know um but I, I could just do it and do it and do it and do it and uh, yeah it's, it's definitely my favorite part of writing and I love it when um 
sort of like right towards the end after all the work I the only time I know when I finish editing is if I if I look at a sentence and I change a word and then I change it back to what it was originally and then I know that I've I've done enough that I'm you know I'm gonna change things that don't need changing and um but yeah, I absolutely, I, I love getting my edits. It's my, when I get that email with my edits, it's my favourite part. Wow, because so many authors I talk to, that's like one of the moments when they just have to walk away and uh, have a sherry and take a deep breath. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, I love it. And I, I also like the fact that I have to then really figure out, you know, if it's highlighted that something isn't working or, or whatever it is. I like I quite like trying to figure that out and think right how am I going to do it and it, I I spend quite a few days thinking when I get my edits because I I don't think it goes in straight away and sometimes I have to keep reading to make sure that I've understood everything and and then and then it's like yeah my favorite part so yeah it's, it is unusual and it's quite interesting the way everyone's so different yeah is that your background are you sort of quite analytical and methodical and no 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 no, not at all I don't know why I don't know why this this that's great yeah (laughs) it works because the the, yeah yeah the the, the books are good at the the end so you've got them the main characters Charlotte and Sam did they come to you as a job lot in, in your mind or did Charlotte come first or no Charlotte came first um again when I'm thinking of characters because I was you know like right quite character driven mm. but I I always know that I've got an idea for a character when I think oh no they shouldn't really do that just don't you know they I sort of like almost want to laugh because I just think oh no that's so not a good thing to do so um and that came from there and then I wanted a reason for her to to go that way because I don't I you know when I was creating her I couldn't I couldn't think of a way to organically make her just go down this path of crime I thought she would have to um meet somebody not I mean it wasn't necessarily a a partner at that point um or a, a boyfriend it could have just been a partner but it just kind of worked the way she got sucked in and um I quite liked the fact you know creating Sam that he is this character that just seems to lie so blatantly and yet just get away with it because mm. I think we've all met people like that in life mm. where something's not quite right but you still believe what they say anyway it's kind of like really weird it's only years later or when someone else says something and you think yeah they, they I knew they were lying or I knew exaggerating or whatever but they there's just some seem to be some people that are so good at it and it fascinated me and I thought that kind of person would very likely not have a conscience at all about what they were doing. Whereas Charlotte's a bit more conflicted. She does do bad things, but she also struggles at times. And I quite liked um, put, having that complexity and exploring that. So you get the general idea or these thoughts um, about that are seeds for the book and you get the characters. How much plotting do you then do before you start writing it? I think the reason that it takes me so long is because I don't do much plotting. I do. I have an outline. I have a synopsis. I have a timeline. I have like a family tree and I have a million post-it notes all around my desk and um, I kind of go with it from there and I research as I go along as well 
So um, with the ex-husband, obviously I was researching. I, when I worked as cabin crew, actually, I'd been to Barbados, which is why Barbados features the most, because I've actually been there. Um, and we actually, um, prior prior to all this, we had a, a holiday booked um, to St Lucia, which is going to be the first time I'd ever gone, but obviously that all got cancelled. Um, so, yeah, I kind of do the research as I go along. And I um, so I kind of like immerse myself in the world more and then that's probably why I find it hard to get the first draft down. But then once it's down, then 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 it kind of works for me. But I'm a bit more, you know, I wish I was one of these people that that plotted a lot because I'm sure I could make my life a lot easier. <laughs> I know I know where I'm going with it. I can, I know where it's going to end, and I know bits and pieces. But a lot of a lot of it for me comes through the writing and the editing and the redoing and the redoing and the redoing. It's like layering for me. Um, so I think I start out with something and I'm not even always 100% sure. It's more to do with the character. And then, yeah, which is probably why <laughs> I end up taking so much longer, really, than I should. Well, if it works, there's, there's nothing mm. wrong with that. Is, is there anything that you had in your mind as part of the limited plot that you'd set out that mm. you then changed? How flexible are you with that? Yeah, I, I I do sometimes just start again. So I still have all the, all that I've written, but rather than going back, I'll just start again. Um, I think I did that a couple of times with the ex-husband, just started again. So I cut out a lot um, in one of the first or second draft, I can't remember. There was a lot more of Charlotte before she goes on the trip. Um, and that all got cut out. I think the first third actually got cut out. Wow. Um, yeah so she so in in this in this you know in this version she gets on there a lot quicker um I think I put too much um background which is part of the editing I put too much you know of her deciding what she was going to do and I and before I changed it to the then and now there was a lot more build up of her relationship um with Sam and in an earlier draft you kind of meet him in real time but I decided for this one that he was just going to be this figure in the then and now that you sort of, you know what happened, but he doesn't feature in the present day. Yeah. Than, than, you know, the situation that they're in. And this was a book that you wrote during COVID lockdown times, mm. presumably. Did that yes. affect your your writing? It, I think I was just so grateful to have to do it to be honest, I although yes, it was hard, and yes, I think if I hadn't have had that, it would have been a lot harder. Mm. Because I think you know the good thing about having a deadline is that you know you want to meet it, you want to, and you don't want to let anyone down, and you don't want to have to say, oh, "I'm really sorry," but yeah, um, you know, I mean, everyone's understanding, everyone, everyone knows, everyone struggled, and it was a difficult mm. time. But I loved having that 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 focus and that discipline, and I think it really helped. I think it really helped to have that, um, especially when it gets, you know, all consuming right towards at the end of the edits. You know, I, I do like 14, 15 hour days. I get up early. I just go through. So when it gets that level of intensity, it's really nice, you know, just to have that escape, I think. That I think we've all needed for sure. Yes. And, and some. How long do these stories stay with you after you've written them or, or if not the stories, the characters? Mm. Um, once I've done my final read through, 
of um, to page proofs, um, then that's it for me. Because if I let myself think about it anymore, I think I could drive myself mad thinking, oh, I could have just done this or I could have just done that or I could have used this word or why didn't I, you know, I think I would just think. And I actually find page proofs quite hard because it's the point that although you can tweak tiny little things like a word or you can, you know, it's not really, it's not really a time that you can change. So I find it hard once it goes and I can no longer change the text myself, um, then I find it hard. So, yeah, that's it. And then I just think, no, get it, move on. Oh, how in, how interesting. So, yes, then you focus on on the next one. I mean, I'm, yes. I'm interested in your book titles. We've had The Perfect Girlfriend, The Last Wife, The Ex-Husband. I'm thinking the next one has to have the word boyfriend in it. Yes, I think it has to. I haven't quite come up with a title yet, but, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, it definitely is going to have to have a boyfriend in it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, my, my guess was the future boyfriend, but that doesn't yeah, make any sense. A, but No, that's that's <sighs> a good one. Yeah, no, I like that. No, I think you're exactly right. And I, I do, I have, I actually have on one of my many post-it notes the word boyfriend, and then I but I, I don't know how to yeah it hasn't quite come to me yet how how it's all gonna but yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> but there's definitely a theme there so you, you know you you're an accomplished author you've had these books published can I ask how you first got your publishing contract um it was about 10 years after I first started writing wow um took quite a while um, when I first started out I didn't really know what I was I, I knew I always knew I wanted to be a writer but I didn't know you know other than writing obviously how you, how you became one so I just started out um I did a correspondence course I did some writing I set myself a word target of a thousand words a day I wrote a really dreadful book that I've never ever 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 been able to go back and read sometimes I think I should but then I just can't bring myself to do it <laughs> and um and then sort of over the years by going to literary festivals and meeting authors and I started to learn a bit more about the publishing world and um, I wrote another book and I submitted it to agents but although they were like really nice and came back with nice feedback it wasn't enough for an agent to take me on and eventually I went to, on the Faber um, Academy Write a Novel course uh. and I went there to rewrite my second book because I couldn't understand why um, I didn't know what I was doing wrong you know even though I'd had this feedback from agents I didn't know why it wasn't quite working for them so but then when I went on the course um the our tutor Richard Skinner said to us to experiment and I thought you know what I've got this idea for this woman but she's not really nice and this was Julia and the perfect girlfriend who is um yeah not mm. <laughs> not a very nice person at all and um I think it gave me the confidence to write somebody who wasn't very likable. And I think, and, and when I submitted it, because I'd, I'd started writing it actually, but I hadn't really thought about it um, in third person. And I switched to first um, and everybody told me that she just came alive in first person um, and that they quite enjoyed being inside her head, just thinking, oh no, what's she going to do next? Oh, and yeah. um and that, and then as a result of that, um, I got um, met my wonderful agent, uh, Sophie Lambert, and um, yeah, then then it I did some edits with her, 
and yeah it's it was from there but yeah I'd say it took about 10 years from to get published um but I think you know I think every I think I'm always learning you know and I continue to learn and I continue to try and do different things and I I just think you know early on I I just wasn't anywhere near ready you know there's Mm. so much to learn well there was for me I know it's different for everybody but for me I sort of look on those 10 years as as you know good grounding hopefully and that Faber course I hear so many authors Mm. have have gone on it it's um Mm. yeah it's very interesting the the connection there and in some ways when you want to be an author you dream of being published yes but again in some ways that's just the starting point how has that journey been yes I think that's it I think um you know once you you know when you're aspiring you only ever you know I I just really wanted an agent and then Mm. when I you know when I was with Sophie um you know you obviously then really want to be published and so you know you go through the submission process which I didn't know much about um and then after that yes you're just learning all the time about the publishing industry and I'm still learning actually there's still a lot that I didn't know but I didn't know that I didn't know it if that makes sense yeah yeah um so it's it's kind of weird because it's not like starting a new job where you might learn how how things work um you know so over the years um I've you know made friends with different authors and you know I learn a lot from them it's a really supportive community actually incredibly supportive you know other authors always support others and so it's really good and so if you're struggling with something I mean I've always got my agent um you know to speak to I'm really lucky with my publishers my editors they're very approachable and easy to work with but there's also other information that you can get from you know and, and, you, and you're constantly learning and um yeah I mean, I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot I still don't know um but then sometimes it's kind of um nice not to know everything yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> there's ups and downs you know there, there always are there's highs and lows but I think you get that in in any industry and I think self-doubt is normal mm. Um, you know, and, you know, prior to starting being published, I would have found things like this very hard. I didn't find it very easy um, to promote when I first started out or, or to, to to do events. I mean, I, I could obviously do them, but I because I'd been cabin crew for so many years, I was used to kind of wearing a uniform. And I think that made me, mm. and I was part of a company. I was, you know, mm. I worked for a massive company. So I kind of felt protected, whereas as an author I feel a bit more on my own and a bit more exposed yeah. um so I did find that really hard to start off with and over the years I've got more confident hopefully and um you know I know someone did say to me once that I did look really um strict and stern <laughs> when I first started out because I think I was just so nervous and so scared that I just you know I just was so grateful to get through anything and not have said anything too stupid (laughs) but (laughs) that I was just a bit you know so I remember when I did a talk um a couple of years later I'd written smile 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 (laughs) so I probably kept grinning like (laughs) at at wrong times and looked even more strange but yeah (laughs) you just want somewhere in between the two don't you yeah exactly exactly (laughs) oh dear it's all these new experiences that you just can't 
prepare yourself for no, your, no. you're your own worst enemy yeah yeah and you know now I you know I really enjoy it and um and I think it's just it's it's maybe like for all of us it's fear of the unknown isn't it and you know I am scared of saying something really silly I mean what I could say that'd be that bad I don't know but it's just that thought of, and I blush really easily as well so if I think I've said something silly I would like you'd be able to tell that we go ah why did I just say that I didn't mean that (laughs) so when we're at a live event we'll 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 look for that um yeah (laughs) where do you write best you have to write in one particular place or are you the sort of person that can just write literally wherever you are I can write anywhere it doesn't when my when the kids were younger actually I did actually used to write sometimes at soft play um (laughs) yeah so I can just totally zone out you know, when they were old enough to sort of climb yes. around and on their own. And yeah. that. I used to sit there in the centre and just, yeah. So, um, yeah, I can, I'm well, quite lucky like that. And if you ever get, not writer's block, but if you just, the words mm. aren't flowing as much as you'd like, is there a, a go-to remedy? Is it a, a coffee, a, a biscuit, a walk, a candle? What's your go-to? I just sometimes, yeah, I mean, it would be a walk or a run. I've recently got back into running. Um, which I did years ago and I hadn't for a while. And I got back into that, which I'm really pleased about because I really find that by doing that first thing in the morning, it can sort of help me for the rest of the day. Mm. So um, yeah, I, I would do that. Or I would, um, I would read something researchy. So, you know, most of my books are set in different countries and that. So I'd probably read a travel book or something or a guide, something online to do with that, just to try and get my head into the area where I'm going or or something so that I it's it's probably like a, a cheat thing so I don't feel like I'm not working <laughs> so I can kid myself that even though I'm reading it's this research so it's fine I am actually working <laughs> yeah not to worry how much yeah. how much of um real life do you use I mean obviously it's mm. fiction but are you do you go about town with an with a notebook not really no I uh, what I try and do is you know if I'm out wherever it doesn't really matter um I don't know if I come up to London I'm on a bus or I'm wandering around I do sometimes try and think oh you know whichever character I'm writing at the time what would they what would they do if they were doing this if they were sitting on this bus or walking down this high street or whatever so I kind of do things like that more yeah yeah, I can I can understand that just to imagine that's quite an interesting practice to do to take your character and just see how they yeah. react in in situations. If you could go back to when you were writing book 1, mm-hmm. um The Perfect Girlfriend, is there anything that you would just whisper to yourself? Oh, I don't know, that's a really interesting question. I think it would be um yeah, I suppose it's, it's again, it's more self-belief and, and just sort of trust myself to know that I will, you know, from beginning to end. I mean, it's still, you know, when I, I've got, I've got, th- you know, the three books now and I look at them together and I still think, wow, like, you know, it starts somewhere and it ends somewhere and it is quite amazing to have done that. And obviously, you know, I, I, I dreamed of getting one, let alone hmm. three or four. So, so it is quite um yeah it's lovely but it's also just thinking oh I hope I hope that can continue you know I hope I hope I hope that readers enjoy the books enough so that I can continue to write more and you know that that is my future 
I'm sh- I'm sure we will. As long as you keep writing them, we'll we'll keep reading them. So <laughs> thank Ka- you, Karen Hamilton, author of The Ex-Husband. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Marvellous. Well, right, now let's go on to the next book, which is The Apollo Murders by Chris Hadfield. Um, now, this one, actually, we have a giveaway on the Facebook group. So go on to Facebook, type in Quick Book Reviews Podcast. You'll see us there. You'll be very welcome. And I've got a hardback book of this that I'm probably going to put on Friday. So have a look and uh, if you can follow the instructions there if you want to be in a, with a chance of getting that giveaway. So let's do the blurb of this book. Um, actually, let's set the scene. Chris Hadfield. OK, so Chris Hadfield, I'm sure you've heard of him. He's sort of like one of the most seasoned, accomplished astronauts in the world. And you would think, OK, he's very good at flying up into space and doing all of that. Thank you very much. Surely he can't be good at writing a book. Well, whatever help he's had or if he's done it himself, he, this man can write. The concept is good. The Writing is great. It's just quite irritating. Anyway, OK, here we go. Here's the blurb. 1973, a final top secret mission to the moon. Three astronauts in a tiny module, a quarter of a million miles from home, a quarter of a million miles from help. As Russian and American crews sprint for a secret bounty hidden away on the lunar surface, old driver is blossom and the political stakes are stretched to breaking point back on Earth. Houston flight controller Kaz must do all he can to keep the NASA crew together while staying one step ahead of his Soviet rivals. But not everyone on board Apollo 18 
is quite who they appear to be. Let's do first sentence. Prologue, 1968, Chesapeake Bay. I lost my left eye on a beautiful autumn morning with not a cloud in the sky. I really enjoyed this. I often find sort of spacey sci-fi books hard to read because I can't visualise it. This I thoroughly enjoyed. I could visualise it all. I like the pace. I like the twists and turns. Um, I felt that the information I was being given because of Chris Hadfield's sort of role um, was legitimate and I could believe what I was being told. So I learnt stuff. I just really enjoyed it. If you've got a NASA freak in the family, I think this is this is a book. Wait, I'm not a NASA freak, but I enjoyed it. Anyway, it's very good. That was a good book. Now we come on to a book that mm, everyone had hyped this up. This is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I had listened to Daisy Jones and the Six, a previous book of hers on audiobook, and really enjoyed that. Um well, let's do the blurb for this. Reclusive Hollywood icon Evelyn Hugo is finally ready to tell the truth about her glamorous and scandalous life. But when she chooses unknown magazine reporter Monique Grant to write her story, no one is more astounded than Monique herself. From making her way to Los Angeles in the 1950s to leaving show business in the 80s and, of course, the seven husbands along the way, Evelyn unspools a tale of ruthless ambition, unexpected friendship and a great forbidden love. But as Evelyn's story nears its conclusion, it becomes clear that her life intersects with Monique's own in tragic and irreversible ways. Let's do the first sentence. It's an article in the New York Tribune. Evelyn Hugo to auction off gowns. Film legend and 60s it girl Evelyn Hugo has just announced that she will auction off 12 of her most memorable gowns through Christie's to raise money for breast cancer research. Um, to be fair, there's very little... Um, in headlines. In fact, I think that's about the only one from what I remember. So it's not full of newspaper articles. I listened to this uh, to begin with as an audiobook because it popped up on my library app. Um, and I initially I thought, oh, yeah, OK, this sounds interesting. And then I just lost it. I didn't want to keep listening. I just thought there's nothing to it. There's no substance. I thought it was a bit sort of not even 2D. It just didn't grip me at all. And I couldn't understand it because the world and his wife has gone on about this. The world and her wife have gone on about this. Um, and so I thought, right, I'm just going to have to put this down for now. And then I spied on my bookshelves that I actually had the book. So I thought, right, Philippa, come on, let's read it. I read it. Well, I just started from the bit that I'd finished, that I'd been listening to on the audio book, which is probably about halfway through. Game changer. Thoroughly enjoyed it. The book had everything that I wanted from it. Um, I was much more engrossed. It became a sort of a 3D book for me. It's not one that I'm going to say is my one of my top reads of the year. And everyone else seems to be saying that it is. And I think that's just because I, I, it was hyped up too much for me. Um, is it one that I'm going to tell everyone about? No, uh, but for some people, I, I think they'd enjoy it. it as I say, it wasn't a complete winner for me, but it was certainly much better than listening to the audiobook. So that's one of the rare times that I'm going to say, through no fault of its own, probably me, the book was better than the audiobook. So there we go. Um, so that was The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. 
now we're going to go to a book that I was bullied into reading. No, I wasn't. But um, it was certainly one that the lovely Facebook group had gone on about being really good. And it's called 56 Days by Catherine Ryan Howard. Here's the premise. 56 days ago, Cara and Oliver meet in a supermarket queue in Dublin and start dating the same week COVID-19 reaches, reaches Irish shores. 35 days ago. When lockdown threatens to keep them apart, Oliver suggests they move in together. Cara sees a unique opportunity for a relationship to flourish without the scrutiny of family and friends. Oliver sees a chance to hide who and what he really is. Today, detectives arrive at Oliver's apartment to discover a decomposing body inside. Can they determine what really happened or has lockdown created an opportunity for someone to commit the perfect crime? Uh, let's do first sentence. Today, it's like one of those viral videos taken inside some swanky apartment complex where all the slim and fit 30-something residents are doing star jumps behind the glass railings of their balconies while the world burns. I thought this was a great book. Uh, well, I listened to it as an audiobook, as I say. Um, really enjoyed it. Loved the narration. Loved the twists and turns. I didn't guess the end, which always pleases me. Um, I thought it was great. And frankly, I am all for books uh, based around COVID time and lockdown time. I let, OK, let's just highlight that. Uh, I am not into books where they are written and there have been some where, oh, COVID-19 was bad. But, oh, what happens after is even worse. No, thank you. I'm just clinging on to some positivity by the very tips of my fingertips. So, no, I don't want that. But what I do want to hear is other people having to work from home, live at home, be stuck at home, just go out for their exercise, um, worry about where they're going to get their next toilet roll from, having to queue up to go into supermarkets. Uh, yeah, I want to hear that. And the more the more books that cover that, the better. I am totally up for that. Now, if you're someone who thinks, oh, no, I don't want to read about that. Um, it's, you know, it's too close to home, COVID. I do completely get that. But I can assure you that I, it didn't trouble my soul. It didn't um, make me more anxious. Um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like some of the books where people actually have COVID. Um, so it was very much just a sort of a scene setter, a place setter and an instrument for events to happen as they do. Uh, so don't be put off by that um, unless you're really thinking, absolutely not. I just couldn't. Then that's fair enough. I thought it was game on. Brilliant. Super duper. Very good. Super duper. There we go. Didn't think I'd use that phrase today, but there we go. Super duper. And then the next and final book I'm mentioning today is The Genesis Inquiry by Ollie Jarvis. And the blurb is this. Brilliant but burnt out barrister Ella Blake accepts an apparently simple brief. Investigate the mysterious disappearance of an African-American polymath from his rooms at Cambridge University. The inquiry quickly becomes the greatest challenge of her life, solving the mystery of Genesis. Facing danger at every turn, can Ella find the answers to the riddles and clues left by the missing genius? Reunited with her estranged daughter, the inquiry sends them on a quest across the world and through ancient texts. What is the secret that binds us all and who is behind the dark forces that will stop at nothing to prevent the world from knowing the truth? And the first sentence, chapter one, Northumberland, northeast coast of England. Ella knew how the wind played tricks, but she was sure she could hear a car approaching. 
Um, this is published by the fabulous guys at Hobet Books. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's as close to a Dan Brown as you're going to get. Um, it's an easy read, certainly. Um, it's a quick read. Um, it's not... Yeah, OK, it's not going to challenge you too much, but it is going to challenge you because it does take you around the world and, and you're turning the page, wondering what's going to happen next. And if you've got anyone in the family who is a Dan Brown fan, then you need to be buying them this book. And certainly it's Christmas time, folks, soon, very soon. Um, this is one to get them. It's great. Uh, and the fact that the main character, Ella, is a barrister, thumbs up from me. Love the sort of the, the legal sides included in the book. Really good. Different, fresh. It's not it's not a Dan Brown clone. It's just it's it's good book. So there we go. I, I think I've covered everything. So what books have we covered? Just to do a little recap. We've had The Ex-Husband by Karen, Karen Hamilton. We've had The Apollo Murders by Chris Hadfield. Uh, the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. We've had 56 Days by Catherine Ryan Howard. And The Genesis Inquiry by Ollie Jarvis. Now, don't forget the giveaway on Facebook of the uh, Chris Hadfield book, The Apollo Murders, um, which will be coming on by the weekend and just look after yourselves have a lovely time read lots of books I've got a great author to talk to you about an interview next week and some super books so just look after yourselves and I'll see you very soon take care now bye bye you've been listening to the quick book reviews podcast that's enough books said no one ever see you again soon A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.